Chapter Fifteen of the Absentee by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Gone, for ever gone from me," said Lord Colambre to himself as the carriage drove away. Never shall I see her more. Never will I see her more till she is married. Lord Colambre went to his own room, locked the door, and was relieved in some degree by the sense of privacy by the feeling that he could now indulge his reflections undisturbed he had consolation he had done what was honourable he had transgressed no duty abandoned no principle he had not injured the happiness of any human being he had not to gratify himself hazarded the peace of the woman he loved he had not sought to win her heart of her innocent her warm susceptible heart he might perhaps have robbed her he knew it but he had left it untouched he hoped entire in her own power to bless with it hereafter some man worthy of her in the hope that she might be happy lord colambre felt relief and in the consciousness that he had made his parents happy he rejoiced but as soon as his mind turned that way for consolation came the bitter concomitant reflection that his mother must be disappointed in her hopes of his accompanying her home and of his living with her in ireland she would be miserable when she should hear that he was going abroad into the army and yet it must be so and he must write and tell her so the sooner this difficulty is off my mind the sooner this painful letter is written the better thought he it must be done i will do it immediately he snatched up his pen and began a letter my dear mother miss nugent he was interrupted by a knock at his door a gentleman below my lord said a servant who wishes to see you i cannot see any gentleman did you say i was at home no my lord i said you was not at home for i thought you would not choose to be at home and your own man was not in the way for me to ask so i denied you but the gentleman would not be denied he said i must come and see if you was at home so as he spoke as if he was a gentleman not used to be denied i thought it might be somebody of consequence and i showed him into the front drawing-room i think he said he was sure you'd be at home for a friend from ireland a friend from ireland why did not you tell me that sooner said lord colambre rising and running downstairs sir james brooke i dare say no not sir james brooke but one he was almost as glad to see count o'halloran my dear count the greater pleasure for being unexpected i came to london but yesterday said the count but i could not be here a day without doing myself the honour of paying my respects to lord colambre you do me not only honour but pleasure my dear count people when they like one another always find each other out and contrive to meet even in london you are too polite to ask what brought such a superannuated militaire as i am said the count from his retirement into this gay world again a relation of mine who is one of our ministry knew that i had some maps and plans and charts which might be serviceable in an expedition they are planning i might have trusted my charts across the channel without coming myself to convoy them you will say but my relation fancied young relations you know if they are good for anything are apt to overvalue the heads of old relations 
fancied that mine was worth bringing all the way from halloran castle to london to consult with tete-a-tete so you know when this was signified to me by a letter from the secretary in office private most confidential what could i do but do myself the honour to obey for though honour's voice cannot provoke the silent dust yet flattery soothes the dull cold ear of age but enough and too much of myself said the count tell me my dear lord something of yourself i do not think england seems to agree with you so well as ireland for excuse me in point of health you don't look like the same man i saw some weeks ago my mind has been ill at ease of late said lord colambre ay there's the thing the body pays for the mind but those who have feelin minds pain and pleasure altogether computed have the advantage or at least they think so for they would not change with those who have them not were they to gain by the bargain the most robust body that the most selfish coxcomb or the heaviest dunce extant ever boasted for instance would you now my lord at this moment change altogether with major benson or captain williamson or even our friend eh, really now pon honour would you i'm glad to see you smile i thank you for making me smile for i assure you i want it i wish if you would not think me encroaching upon your politeness and kindness in honouring me with this visit you see continued he opening the doors of the back drawing-room and pointing to large packages you see we are all preparing for a march my mother has left town half an hour ago my father engaged to dine abroad only i at home and in this state of confusion could i even venture to ask count o'halloran to stay and dine with me without being able to offer him irish ortolans or irish plums in short will you let me rob you of two or three hours of your time i am anxious to have your opinion on a subject of some importance to me and on one where you are peculiarly qualified to judge and decide for me my dear lord frankly i have nothing half so good or so agreeable to do with my time command my hours i have already told you how much it flatters me to be consulted by the most helpless clerk in office how much more about the private concerns of an enlightened young friend will lord colambre permit me to say i hope so for though the length of our acquaintance might not justify the word yet regard and intimacy are not always in proportion to the time people have known each other but to their mutual perception of certain attaching qualities a certain similarity and suitableness of character the good count seeing that lord colambre was in much distress of mind did all he could to soothe him by kindness far from making any difficulty about giving up a few hours of his time he seemed to have no other object in london and no purpose in life but to attend to our hero to put him at ease and to give him time to recover and arrange his thoughts the count talked of indifferent subjects i think i heard you mention the name of sir james brooke yes i expected to have seen him when the servant first mentioned a friend from ireland because sir james had told me that as soon as he could get leave of absence he would come to england 
he is come is now at his estate in huntingdonshire doin what do you think i will give you a leaden hint recollect the seal which the little de cressy put into your hands the day you dined at oranmore faithful to his motto deeds not words he is this instant i believe at deeds title deeds making out marriage settlements getting ready to put his seal to the happy articles happy man i give him joy said lord colambre happy man going to be married to such a woman daughter of such a mother daughter of such a mother that is indeed a great addition and a great security to his happiness said the count such a family to marry into good from generation to generation illustrious by character as well as by genealogy all the sons brave and all the daughters chaste lord colambre with difficulty repressed his feelings if i could choose i would rather that a woman i loved were of such a family than that she had for her dower the mines of peru so would i cried lord colambre i'm glad to hear you say so my lord and with such energy so few young men of the present day look to what i call good connection in marion a man does not to be sure marry his wife's mother and yet a prudent man when he begins to think of the daughter would look sharp at the mother ay and back to the grandmother too and along the whole female line of ancestry true most true he ought he must and i have a notion said the count smiling your lordship's practice has been conformable to your theory ay mine said lord colambre starting and looking at the count with surprise i beg your pardon said the count i did not intend to surprise your confidence but you forget that i was present and saw the impression which was made on your mind by a mother's want of a proper sense of delicacy and propriety lady dashfort oh lady dashfort she was quite out of my head and lady isabel i hope she is quite out of your heart she was never in it said lord colambre only laid siege to it said the count well i am glad your heart did not surrender at discretion or rather without discretion then i may tell you without fear or preface that the lady isabel who talks of refinement delicacy sense is going to stoop at once and marry heathcock lord colambre was not surprised but concerned and disgusted as he always felt even when he did not care for the individual from hearing anything which tended to lower the female sex in public estimation as to myself said he i cannot say i have had an escape for i don't think i ever was in much danger it is difficult to measure danger when it is over past danger like past pain is soon forgotten said the old general at all events i rejoice in your present safety but is she really going to be married to heathcock said lord colambre positively they all came over in the same packet with me and they are all in town now buying jewels and equipages and horses heathcock you know is as good as another man a peu près for all those purposes his father is dead and left him a large estate que voulez-vous 
as the french valet said to me on the occasion ce que monsieur est un homme de bien il a des biens à ce qu'on dit lord colambre could not help smiling how they got heathcock to fall in love is what puzzles me said his lordship i should as soon have thought of an oyster's falling in love as that being i own i should have sooner thought replied the count of his fallen in love with an oyster and so would you if you had seen him as i did devourin oysters on shipboard say can the lovely heroine hope to vie with a fat turtle or a venison pie but that is not our affair let the lady isabel look to it dinner was announced and no farther conversation of any consequence passed between the count and lord colambre till the cloth was removed and the servants had withdrawn then our hero opened on the subject which was heavy on his heart my dear count to go back to the burial-place of the nugents where my head was lost the first time i had the pleasure of seeing you you know or possibly said he smiling you do not know that i have a cousin of the name of nugent you told me replied the count that you had near relations of that name but i do not recollect that you mentioned any one in particular i never named miss nugent to you no it is not easy to me to talk of her and impossible to me to describe her if you had come one half hour sooner this morning you would have seen her i know she is exactly suited to your excellent taste but it is not at first sight she pleases most she gains upon the affections attaches the heart and unfolds upon the judgment in temper manners and good sense in every quality a man can or should desire in a wife i never saw her equal yet there is an obstacle an invincible obstacle the nature of which i cannot explain to you that forbids me to think of her as a wife she lives with my father and mother they are returning to ireland i wished earnestly wished on many accounts to have accompanied them chiefly on my mother's but it cannot be the first thing a man must do is to act honourably and that he may do so he must keep out of the way of a temptation which he believes to be above his strength i will never see miss nugent again till she is married i must either stay in england or go abroad i have a mind to serve a campaign or two if i could get a commission in a regiment going to spain but i understand so many are eager to go at this moment that it is very difficult to get a commission in such a regiment it is difficult said the count but added he after thinking for a moment i have it i can get the thing done for you and directly major benson in consequence of that affair you know about his mistress is forced to quit the regiment when the lieutenant-colonel came to quarters and the rest of the officers heard the fact they would not keep company with benson and would not mess with him i know he wants to sell out and that regiment is to be ordered immediately to spain i will have the thing done for you if you request it first give me your advice count o'halloran you are well acquainted with the military profession with military life would you advise me i won't speak of myself because we judge better by general views than by particular cases would you advise a young man at present to go into the army 
the count was silent for a few minutes and then replied since you seriously ask my opinion my lord i must lay aside my own prepossessions and endeavor to speak with impartiality to go into the army in these days my lord is in my sober opinion the most absurd and base or the wisest and noblest thing a young man can do to enter into the army with the hope of escaping from the application necessary to acquire knowledge letters and science i run no risk my lord in saying this to you to go into the army with the hope of escaping from knowledge letters science and morality to wear a red coat and an epaulette to be called captain to figure at a ball to lounge away time in country sports at country quarters was never even in times of peace creditable but it is now absurd and base submitten to a certain portion of ennui and contempt this mode of life for an officer was formerly practicable but now cannot be submitted to without utter irremediable disgrace officers are now in general men of education and information want of knowledge sense manners must consequently be immediately detected ridiculed and despised in a military man of this we have not long since seen lamentable examples in the raw officers who have lately disgraced themselves in my neighbourhood in ireland that major benson and captain williamson but i will not advert to such insignificant individuals such are rare exceptions i leave them out of the question i reason on general principles the life of an officer is not now a life of parade of coxcombical or of profligate idleness but of active service of continual hardship and danger all the descriptions which we see in ancient history of a soldier's life descriptions which in times of peace appeared like romance are now realized military exploits fill every day's newspapers every day's conversation a martial spirit is now essential to the liberty and the existence of our own country in the present state of things the military must be the most honorable profession because the most useful every movement of an army is followed wherever it goes by the public hopes and fears every officer must now feel besides this sense of collective importance a belief that his only dependence must be on his own merit and thus his ambition his enthusiasm are raised and when once this noble ardour is kindled in the breast it excites to exertion and supports under endurance but i forget myself said the count checking his enthusiasm i promised to speak soberly if i have said too much your own good sense my lord will correct me and your good nature will forgive the prolixity of an old man touched upon his favourite subject the passion of his youth lord colambre of course assured the count that he was not tired indeed the enthusiasm with which this old officer spoke of his profession and the high point of view in which he placed it increased our hero's desire to serve a campaign abroad good sense politeness and experience of the world preserved count o'halloran from that foible with which old officers are commonly reproached of talking continually of their own military exploits 
though retired from the world he had contrived by reading the best books and corresponding with persons of good information to keep up with the current of modern affairs and he seldom spoke of those in which he had been formerly engaged he rather too studiously avoided speaking of himself and this fear of egotism diminished the peculiar interest he might have inspired it disappointed curiosity and deprived those with whom he conversed of many entertaining and instructive anecdotes however he sometimes made exceptions to his general rule in favour of persons who peculiarly pleased him and lord colambre was of this number he this evening for the first time spoke to his lordship of the years he had spent in the austrian service told him anecdotes of the emperor spoke of many distinguished public characters whom he had known abroad of those officers who had been his friends and companions among others he mentioned with particular regard a young english officer who had been at the same time with him in the austrian service a gentleman of the name of reynolds the name struck lord colambre it was the name of the officer who had been the cause of the disgrace of miss st omar of miss nugent's mother but there are so many reynoldses he eagerly asked the age the character of this officer he was a gallant youth said the count but too adventurous too rash he fell after distinguishing himself in a glorious manner in his twentieth year died in my arms married or unmarried cried lord colambre married he had been privately married less than a year before his death to a very young english lady who had been educated at a convent in vienna he was heir to a considerable property i believe and the young lady had little fortune and the affair was kept secret from the fear of offending his friends or for some other reason i do not recollect the particulars did he acknowledge his marriage said lord colambre never till he was dying then he confided his secret to me do you recollect the name of the young lady he married yes miss st omar st omar repeated lord colambre with an expression of lively joy in his countenance but are you certain my dear count that she was really married legally married to mr reynolds her marriage has been denied by all his friends and relations hers have never been able to establish it her daughter is my dear count were you present at the marriage no said the count i was not present at the marriage i never saw the lady nor do i know anything of the affair except that mr reynolds when he was dying assured me that he was privately married to a miss st omar who was then boarden at a convent in vienna the young man expressed great regret at leaving her totally unprovided for but said that he trusted his father would acknowledge her and that her friends would be reconciled to her he was not of age he said to make a will but i think he told me that his child who at that time was not born would even if it should be a girl inherit a considerable property with this i cannot however charge my memory positively but he put a packet into my hands which he told me contained a certificate of his marriage and i think he said a letter to his father 
this he requested that i would transmit to england by some safe hand immediately after his death i went to the english ambassador who was then leaving vienna and delivered the packet into his hands he promised to have it safely delivered i was obliged to go the next day with the troops to a distant part of the country when i returned i inquired at the convent what had become of miss st omar i should say mrs reynolds and i was told that she had removed from the convent to private lodgings in the town some time previous to the birth of her child the abbess seemed much scandalized by the whole transaction and i remember i relieved her mind by assuring her that there had been a regular marriage for poor young reynolds sake i made further inquiries about the widow intending of course to act as a friend if she was in any difficulty or distress but i found on inquiry at her lodgings that her brother had come from england for her and had carried her and her infant away the active scenes continued the count in which i was immediately afterwards engaged drove the whole affair from my mind now that your questions have recalled them i feel certain of the facts i have mentioned and i am ready to establish them by my testimony lord colambre thanked him with an eagerness that showed how much she was interested in the event it was clear he said either that the packet left with the ambassador had not been delivered or that the father of mr reynolds had suppressed the certificate of the marriage as it had never been acknowledged by him or by any of the family lord colambre now frankly told the count why he was so anxious about this affair and count o'halloran with all the warmth of youth and with all the ardent generosity characteristic of his country entered into his feelings declaring that he would never rest till he had established the truth unfortunately said the count the ambassador who took the packet in charge is dead i am afraid we shall have difficulty but he must have had some secretary said lord colambre who was his secretary we can apply to him his secretary is now chargé d'affaires in vienna we cannot get at him into whose hands have that ambassador's papers fallen who is his executor said lord colambre his executor now you have it cried the count his executor is the very man who will do your business your friend sir james brooke is the executor all papers of course are in his hands or he can have access to any that are in the hands of the family the family seat is within a few miles of sir james brooks in huntingdonshire where as i told you before he now is i'll go to him immediately set out in the mail this night just in time cried lord colambre pulling out his watch with one hand and ringing the bell with the other run and take a place for me in the mail for huntingdon go directly said lord colambre to the servant and take two places if you please sir said the count my lord i will accompany you but this lord colambre would not permit as it would be unnecessary to fatigue the good old general and a letter from him to sir james brooke would do all that the count could effect by his presence the search for the papers would be made by sir james and if the packet could be recovered or if any memorandum or mode of ascertaining that it had actually been delivered to old reynolds could be discovered 
lord colambre said he would then call upon the count for his assistance and trouble him to identify the packet or to go with him to mr reynolds to make farther inquiries and to certify at all events the young man's dying acknowledgment of his marriage and of his child the place in the mail just in time was taken lord colambre sent a servant in search of his father with a note explaining the necessity of his sudden departure all the business which remained to be done in town he knew lord clonbrony could accomplish without his assistance then he wrote a few lines to his mother on the very sheet of paper on which a few hours before he had sorrowfully and slowly begun my dear mother miss nugent he now joyfully and rapidly went on my dear mother and miss nugent i hope to be with you on wednesday sennight but if unforeseen circumstances should delay me i will certainly write to you again dear mother believe me your obliged and grateful son colambre the count in the meantime wrote a letter for him to sir james brooke describing the packet which he had given to the ambassador and relating all the circumstances that could lead to its recovery lord colambre almost before the wax was hard seized possession of the letter the count seeming almost as eager to hurry him off as he was to set out he thanked the count with few words but with strong feeling joy and love returned in full tide upon our hero's soul all the military ideas which but an hour before filled his imagination were put to flight spain vanished and green ireland reappeared just as they shook hands at parting the good old general with a smile said to him i believe i had better not stir in the matter of benson's commission till i hear more from you my harangue in favour of the military profession will i fancy prove like most other harangues en pure perte End of chapter 15